All right, please grab the pencils, a pin from your purse, crayons if you got it. It's time to take a test. You are going to write down what you believe to be the top three phrases you hear at the street fair. Now, before you question who am I to give such a test, let me tell you, I have over 22 years of experience parking cars at the street fair. I have heard every conversation that has ever come back. All three of these things is always said. So, believe me when I tell you, it's time to take that test. So you got your pencils out. I'm going to give you, I don't have a watch, I'm gonna count in my head, 35 seconds, you may work with a friend, to write down the top three phrases you hear at the street fair. Ready, begin. In hindsight, I should. You beat me by two seconds. I was just about to say, what if I would have had like some cool Jeopardy music? All right, all right. I was gonna yell pencils down and try to scare you. I used to do that when I was a teacher administering the, um, the tests and I would watch as the kids took their pencil right through the Scantron. They thought it was me, I thought it was hilarious. Um, I didn't do that, so I just wanted to tell you that. Anyways, here's the three, ready. Number one, the number one phrase you hear is, what did you get? That's a food question. I would have also accepted the true Lutheran response, which would have been, what did you get besides a bratwurst? But what did you get is one. Number two, it's so hot. <laughs> Bonus points if you had more than one O on yourself. Ah, oh, so close, so close. Yeah, my wife came back. She had three bratwurst for me. Yes, you heard me correctly. This is a judge-free zone. And uh, she was just like all covered in sweat. I gave her a hug. It was gross, but I still like her. It's hot down there. And the number three. Dude, I haven't seen you since. And then you fill in the time. Whether it was, I haven't seen you since high school. I haven't seen you since last year's street fair. You always end with that conversation saying like, we totally got to get together next year at the street fair. So, those are your top three. Pastor Mark came to me and he was like, oh, what about it's too crowded? We would have put that under honorable mention. So, hands up for a perfect score, all three. <sighs> at least one. Yeah, everybody's a winner, you get your prize, all right. There is nothing, right? Nothing that brings us together like food and sweat and memories. And while historians have yet to prove it, and the Bible doesn't specifically mention this in our text today, Ephesians was the home of the first international street fair that took place over the Labor Day weekend. Some of you laughed, others of you gave me the holy nod, like, yes, that is correct. <laughs> it's probably not, but I will tell you, our Ephesians text does mention one thing. It's all about getting together. It's all about being together. So let's take a look at our text this morning. Let's see how it impacts and directs our lives for today. Now, I want to focus starting at the middle of verse 15, that part that says we will grow. If you're, if you're not using your Bible and you've got your bulletin, it's right above that tiny little 16 there, right? I want to start right there above the phrase we will grow. We're starting with we will grow. Here we go. We will grow. We will grow is not a choice here. There's no 
If you'd like, you could join a group. It's a we. It's a plural. We are in this together. You can look back a few verses before and you can see that we've all been given individual gifts and we all play a role, but that is not for our own sake, for the sake of others. We get gifts for the sake of others. Why? Because we are in this together. Now, I think it would have been much easier if Jesus only cared about our relationship with him and him alone. I think it would have been easier if I could just go around saying, it's just about me and Jesus. It'd be easier. But it wouldn't be right. And it certainly wouldn't be better. My mind immediately goes to Proverbs. Mary B. Yours does too. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In a time where, according to a study done just in 2018, it says nearly half of Americans feel alone. The call to be together can no longer be ignored by the disciples of Jesus. We need to put reaching out and being together, not as a when I get around to it, but as a priority. I have yet to find a letter in the Bible that does not push us to be in relationship with one another, to support one another, to grow together in this faith. It is not by accident that here at St. John's, our discipleship processes connect to God and grow together. The first thing we grab from our text today is to answer the call to grow together. Paul elaborates on what it looks like to grow together by saying it this way, we will grow to become the mature body. Grow to become the mature body. Maturity is not about making our bed or brushing our teeth or putting our pants on both legs at the time, but maturity together as a body, relationships one with another. Mature means being patient and bearing with one another. Mature means being humble. Mature means speaking the truth and not lying to one another. Nothing destroys our relationships faster than lying. Mature means we do not have to impress each other with our credentials, but rather we serve one another. Mature does not mean being wishy-washy, but means being strong. Mature means having a deep relationship. We go to the street fair because there is food there. And Jesus did some of his best teaching around a table where there was food. Takeaway number two for you is to invite someone to dinner, to lunch, to grab a coffee and two cups of water. Put your phone away and just talk. The kind of talk where when you ask them how they're doing, there's a follow-up question and a response. See, when we are the mature body of Christ, we get into a kind of rhythm. You ever notice how when you've known someone for a really long time, 
you've been with them, maybe it's your spouse, and, and you go for a walk, and you're just in step with them, perfect little step, perfect pacing, the gait, everything is perfect, right? And you can't think about it because when you do, it gets all messed up. Pastor Mark and I do this little bow at the end and then we walk out. We were in perfect step until I said, dude, we're doing it. And then we jinxed each other and we couldn't. (laughs) But when we grow together, when we have time and experience together, we move from practice to habits and it just becomes natural. It's time to move from thinking about my walk with Jesus to our walk with Jesus. Starting with our family, moving from our friends to our community everywhere. Our walk with Jesus, that's maturity. And if you're asking, how does it happen? Well, Paul teaches us something fascinating here in our text. Look at it there. It goes from mature body, then it says, of him who is the head. Do you see that? Of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows. From the head, the rest of the body grows. No part of the body is not connected. No part of the body is not joined or held alone. All of it is connected. And here's the fascinating part. When we see head, we may think ruler. After all, earlier in Ephesians, Paul described Christ as the head of the church, the ruler of the church. He says it again in Colossians, and if you go back to 2 Chronicles, you'll find that God is the head of Israel, the ruler of Israel. But here, the metaphor is just a little different. The body, the church, us, is not the main character of a Washington Irving short story. That was an Ichabod Crane reference, headless, headless horseman, nobody, that's all right. We are not a body without a head. Instead, we are a body that grows from the head. And that's where the clue lies to the meaning of this text. It's not that Jesus is in charge and we do what he says. That's just given. The fascinating part is that to grow, we grow from the head. John uses a vine. Paul uses a head and a body. Why? Because it was commonly supposed among the medical writers of Paul's day that the head was the source and the center of the life of the body. All that was needed for the proper functioning of the body came from the head. The perceiving, the interpreting, the coordinating, the unifying work of making it all work together came from the head. And when the philosophers of the day conceived of the universe as as a body, it was often with some entity or some divine figure as the head. And the Apostle Paul meets the people right where they are at and tells us that Christ is the true source of life. And more than that, he's not just removed on some mountain called Olympus. Rather, he is also the source and the one who sustains and nourishes that life. He enables the church to grow. He enables us to care for each member of the body. And he gives us the strength to build each other up in love. He has chosen us, and by his body and blood feeds us. He has chosen us, and by his sweat and blood redeems us. By the head and through his word, we now perceive who we are and what we're supposed to do. That calling that he has given us, the destination, the community that he has purposely placed each of us in, 
determines what we do, shapes our behavior so that we may serve and love one another better. It is not an accident who you sit next to in the pew. Rather, we are the body and we grow from the head. And growing from the head gives us a coherent life. A life with purpose, not one where we're just wandering aimlessly looking out for ourselves, but a full, mature life, leaving no part of the body off floating on its own. Together, we grow in His Word. Together, we join our hearts in prayer. Together, we coordinate and answer His mission to make disciples and to deliver the restorative hope of Jesus. And together, by Him alone, we are unified and made one, growing and building in love as each part does its work. Can't think of a better picture than what Isaiah gave us. This is what it looks like to grow and build alongside one another. Do away with the yoke of oppression. Stop the pointing fingers and malicious talk. Spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord the head will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden a spring whose waters never fail. And look at what we are called. Repairers. In a world where brokenness and loneliness abound, we repair. In a world where brokenness and loneliness abound, we restore. When we are connected to the head and walking together in rhythm, doing what we are supposed to do, then the body is mature, doing its work, its work of love. So you got one more day of gathering at the street fair. One more time to go find someone, ask all three of those questions. Bonus, if you can work them all in in one sentence. Bring me back a funnel cake, three bratwurst, lemonade if you can afford it. But we got many more days together here. many more days to purposely decide to grow together, to mature together, and to love together as the body of Christ.